Welcome to Bucks Talk. Insight, analysis, and your chance to sound off on the game you just heard. Now to break it all down, here's your host, Justin Garcia. Well, again, this was exactly what you were hoping to see from the Bucks. They took care of business against the team they're expected to beat. The Charlotte Hornets have been exactly what the Bucks have been looking for all season long. Wins by 31, 36, and now 38 tonight. Tonight, the most impressive for the obvious reasons, the 38-point margin of victory. But again, everything that we had talked about for the last couple of games, you knew this team had to look much different coming out of the All-Star break. It started with a very tough stretch Friday night in Minnesota against the Timberwolves team. That is the leader in the Western Conference, one of the best home teams as well. You go into Minnesota and you beat a good Timberwolves team. As we cautioned after that game, very good win. I don't know if it means nothing, but it means even less if you don't follow this up with at least a strong performance, but ideally a win against the 76ers. And not only did you do that, you won. Your defense looked good once more. I'm going to mention it again. I don't care. I've heard a, and seen a lot of people point out, yeah, the Bucks held them below 100 points, but there was no Joel Embiid. To me, it doesn't matter. Offense in the league, we've seen teams can score. Any player can score. It's a Sixers team that still has Tyrese Maxey, who, by the way, had a big game tonight against the Boston Celtics. They still have Tobias Harris. They have some pieces that can score the basketball. It's a good offense. You held them below 100 points. But I think tonight was the real test case when we said two nice wins. You're starting to build some things, but you can't let your foot off the gas, and you've got to start to win these games consistently. The Bucks again, have been very, very good against the best teams in the league. They have the third-best win percentage against teams with a top-10 net rating. The only two teams better than the Bucks against those opponents this season have been the two leaders or co-leaders in the case of the Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder, co-leader in the Western Conference, and the Eastern Conference leading Boston Celtics. Those are the two best teams by way of win percentage against those top ten teams. And then you have the Bucks, who for a number of reasons we'll get to throughout the show are continuing to give you more and more reasons for optimism. Now, all of that being said, what we just got done saying, that win against the Timberwolves, it's diminished if you don't carry that over Sunday against the 76ers. Those two wins, Friday and Sunday, against the Timberwolves and Sixers, it's diminished if you don't carry that over into a home game against the Hornets. And now, these three straight wins, it will be somewhat diminished if you do not continue that and carry that type of performance through against the Hornets once more on Thursday. And really, ideally... Thursday and Friday, Hornets on the road, Bulls on the road. Two big games for the Bucs, and I mean that. Big games against those opponents because of that schedule that waits for the Bucs starting next week. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Your thoughts on this victory? We'll get to some more of those defensive numbers, but this is certainly a much different Bucs team for a number of reasons statistically i think the attitude and swagger that we're seeing from this team some of the things we've heard some players from players in recent days as well 
it certainly feels like a much different team. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's kick things off, head out to the phone lines, and catch up with our friend Will I.M. You begin things for us tonight. Will, what's going on? Justin, hey, man, thank you so much for taking my phone call, as always. I don't know if you can hear it, but I was screaming the whole game. Uh, Like you said, that swagger, that poise, that drive, which, you know, we talked about this in the first half of the season, about that sports car. And tonight it felt like that. It felt like when we gave Dame the ball and when Giannis and Dame had their their moments to shine, he had no way the Hornets were going to stop that. And like you said, the tear on the bench with 60-plus points on the bench, you know, we're usually talking about the bench having 30, but to see the bench double, truly incredible. And I know I haven't called in the last few games, Justin, but I'm going to state this. That interview on TNT after Dane won the All-Star MVP, when Shaquille O'Neal looked him in the eye and said, this is sad, you're way better than this. That man has taken it to heart, and it's helped elevate, along with Doc Rivers, to get this team looking like the Milwaukee Bucks we know, Justin. We bullied those Hornets, man. We needed to get that bully mentality that, hey, we're not tolerating anything type of mindset. And to see it on full display and to see us relentlessly put up, you know, 30-plus points in each frame, I'm loving it. And that's what one practice does? Are you kidding me? Great steps in the right direction, Justin. Uh, There's – there's a number of things, but I'm glad you brought up that um, that sit down that Shaq had when Dame came up to the to the booth with those guys, um, because you know to your point, he mentioned to Damian Lillard, look, this is on you, this is on you and Giannis that you guys have to take over and start dominating. If you guys fall short, it's you two. Doc Rivers will get some of it, but it's you two guys that are going to be blamed, and you're going to be viewed as the reasons why. You did not reach your ultimate goal. We saw Damian Lillard nodding and acknowledging that, but I think there's been a number of things besides that, too. Some of the things that you've heard from Dame in the last couple of days, a number of Bucks players, uh, Doc Rivers and all the interviews that Doc had given for the past couple of weeks, I think a couple of constants have really shined through with this Bucks team. One of them, we caught up with Pat Connaughton after the game today, and you know I, I brought it up to Pat, too, of... Is it just me, or does it seem like the All-Star break came at the right time, at the perfect time for this group? It's not just the coaching change and Doc Rivers getting thrown into the mix in your final handful of games prior to the All-Star break. You lose Chris Middleton. You started to see some injuries pile up, I suppose you could say. Chris is the biggest one. Damian Lillard missing some time. Granted, it was an injury, and Brooke Lopez wasn't injuries why he missed it, but you saw guys out of the lineup, and you've been pretty consistently healthy for most of this season. So all of these things were starting to build and swirl. It almost felt like this team just needed to call a timeout and say, look, can we, can we get 20 seconds here? Can we just get a time and reset some things? And that's what the All-Star break gave them the opportunity to do. But I really think the big thing is not only that – it's some of those things that, that we just talked about with Will that Shaq had in, in his advice and message to Dame. But it's, you know, to me more than that, everything we've heard from a number of players in these last few days here about Doc Rivers and about expectations. There was a story that came out from Chris Haynes earlier today about expectations, essentially, and about Doc Rivers 
one by one, meeting with players of this team individually and level setting with them and giving them expectations of, look, here's what I'm looking for from you. Here's what I want from you in your minutes. More importantly, here's what I don't want from you. Here's what I don't want you to do. And I think that's been the biggest thing. When you listen to all these conversations from players, you listen to all these other interviews and all these stories that have started to trickle out, I think the big thing is Doc Rivers has come in, and he talked about this a little bit before the game tonight as well. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel. Um, I'm not coming in and saying, okay, we're throwing out everything that we did. And and here's my team. Here's what we're going to do defensively. So get with Rex Kalami and listen to everything that he has to say. Only worry about this. Here's Dave Yeager. Listen to what he has to say because our offense is going to be totally different. That hasn't been the approach from Doc. You know, we heard him say it's the middle of the season. There's a lot that these guys have had thrown at them. I don't want them to go through analysis paralysis where you're caught thinking and slowed down and wondering, what am I supposed to do here? I don't want to bombard them and overwhelm them. What I want from this team is expectations. Number one, identity. And that was from day one with Doc, is I asked these guys, what is your identity? And and we didn't get an answer. And I told them our identity has to start on the defensive end. We have certainly seen that with the numbers that we just shared. Sixth. Sixth best defense in the league since Doc Rivers took over at a 10.4 defensive rating. Tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers. 110.4 defensive rating. Uh, If you include the three games where Joe Prunty was the interim coach, and, and I will include those because those were games against the New Orleans Pelicans and two against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Very good opponents. Third best in the league. And again, this isn't a massive shift in personnel. Sure, you've added Pat Beverly. You added Danilo Gallinari. That that was not for defense. But Pat Beverly is not the reason why this team has skyrocketed to sixth or third, depending on on which date you're viewing this at, uh, from 20th defensively. It's a team that has capitalized on grabbing that low-hanging fruit, but I think more importantly, It's been Doc Rivers coming in, level-setting expectations, stressing the defense, implementing some new things, and we heard a little bit more about that before the game. We'll get into that in just a moment. But more importantly, I think it's been Doc Rivers coming in, setting those expectations, and letting them know, look, we are not going to do this. It's not that we're going to come in and here's what we're going to do defensively. Here's the new looks we're going to get. Here's a new wrinkle. Here's the zone we're going to play. It's been more of, We're not going to do this anymore. Just stop doing this. And in transition, I need you to do this. Here's how we're going to handle rebounding. One by one, you've heard more and more of players using the word of structure and expectations. And I think that's what you're starting to see more than anything on the floor and those numbers that we have pointed to. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Three straight wins for the Bucks out of the All-Star break and three very impressive defensive outings. We'll get into some more numbers that we've seen from this defense after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. The round ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. Three straight wins for the Bucks out of the All-Star break. A big win over the Hornets tonight. Literally, 38-point win. 
Largest margin of victory for the Bucks this season. It is the largest margin of victory since Christmas Day 2020 when the Bucks beat the Golden State Warriors in a game I'm sure a lot of us remember. The first time in decades that the Bucks were hosting a game on Christmas Day. We finally got that game in Milwaukee at Fiserv Forum. And it came after a pandemic where I believe we had about a thousand people in the building, and a lot of that was Bucks employees. But that was a big blowout. The Bucks moving past the Golden State Warriors that day. This the largest margin of victory we've seen from the Bucks since then. And look, a couple of other things of note here. First half, what the Bucks defense did against the Hornets: twenty-six points in a half. For the Charlotte Hornets, it was the fewest points scored in a half this season. The fewest points the Bucks had allowed in a half since giving up 25 to the Dallas Mavericks in November of 2016. And then you look at, at what the Bucks did in that next quarter. Hornets got up to 23 points to sit at 49, but the 49 points by the uh, Charlotte Hornets through three quarters was the fewest the Bucks had allowed through three quarters in a game since November 3rd of 2007 when the Bulls put up 48 points. So I'm going to say it again because after that game against the uh, 76ers when we pointed out third time in the last six games this defense has held an opponent below 100 points, saw a handful of people point out, yeah, but it's the 76ers and there's no Joel Embiid. And one of those was against this Charlotte Hornets team. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who is on the floor, who isn't on the floor. Offense continues to skyrocket in this league. When you look at things like who's the leading, which team has the best defensive rating, and you look at those numbers, you look at what the average defensive rating is, you look at year by year for the last three years now, we are pointed to the team that finishes with the top offensive rating, as a team that has posted the highest offensive rating in the history of the NBA, it is an offensive era. It does not matter. If you can hold a team below 100 points, that is incredibly impressive. And to hold a team, regardless of how poor they had been playing offensively, to 26 points through 24 minutes says something about your defense and the level that it is reaching. Again, when you look at this defense that the Bucks have put together here, they are now 8-8 eight and eight since making this coaching change. It's been a very challenging schedule during that stretch. Two games against the Cavaliers. Two games against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Two games against the Denver Nuggets. A game against the New Orleans Pelicans. A game against the Phoenix Suns. A tough stretch of games that this Bucks team has had. Miami Heat, throw them in there as well. So they're starting to play much better and are a top-six team now in the Eastern Conference. Got 500 against a schedule as challenging as that is. The Dallas Mavericks, a team who, by the way, has been one of the best defenses in the league in that same period of time. 8-8 eight and eight to me is incredibly impressive against that schedule and with everything that has been thrown at this team with the change of a coach, sprinkling in some new things. Again, not a high dosage, not a heavy volume of it, but sprinkling in some new pieces. 
to go 500 against that schedule and to do it with this defense, the way it is playing is the most impressive part because this has clearly been level setting and setting expectations, cleaning things up, grabbing that low-hanging fruit. The only change in personnel has been 10 minutes a game from Pat Beverly. That is it. You're still largely using that same group. But you have gone from 21st to 3rd defensively just by executing better. That shows you the talent is there. And we've said all season long, this offense has been playing at an elite elite level. It had been a top three offense for, for largely most of this season. Started to come down, and it's certainly gone down in those 16 games, which, again, the good part is the defense, third best in the league. Offense is 17. 115.4 offensive rating, 110, uh, 115 offensive rating, 110.4 defensive rating. So you're 17th in offense, third in defense, seventh best net rating. It's basically the exact inverse of where you were before, where your offense was elite. Your defense, far from elite. And your net rating was close to a top 10. The big thing about this is the offense, you look at that number, you don't have Chris Middleton. And as I brought up before, Chris Middleton's played 110 minutes since Doc Rivers has taken over. It's a 48-minute game. 110 minutes that you've had Chris Middleton on the floor. Three games you didn't have Brooke Lopez. Two games you didn't have Dame Lillard. There was two games that were a total disaster where you were without all of those guys, right? So that's a big part of the offense. But where I do take solace is despite that offensive rating sliding to where it was, uh, I haven't checked where it is after tonight's game. But coming into tonight's game, despite the defense registering at 20th best in the league in those games played, uh, offense, the offensive rating in the half court was 10. That's the most important part of it because, again, that's the biggest reason why you went and got Damian Lillard. You got a closer. You got a guy that's had a knack and a history of hitting big shots and some of that coming in the playoffs. You've gotten a guy that can help out Giannis. You don't have to funnel things through Giannis. It can free Giannis up to be more of a two-way player, which we've seen really a lot more in these last 16 games. But you need a half-court offense in the postseason. As good as the Bucks' defense was, you need to be able to make shots. When the Bucks won a championship, sure, they had an elite defense. And one of the better playoff defenses we had seen in years. Their offense was just good enough and barely. And a big part of that was Chris Middleton in the half court. You think back to that title run, Chris Middleton's the guy that hit the biggest shots. Giannis was certainly your best player, and Giannis had the most memorable moments. But Chris Middleton hit the biggest shots. Chris Middleton hit that game winner that started the playoff run in game one against the Miami Heat. And look, if Chris Middleton doesn't hit that shot, who knows where we're at. If the Bucks lose game one against the Miami Heat, with the track record and history they had against the Miami Heat in the postseason, who knows what happens from there. But you, you didn't. You won that series in a sweep. And Chris Middleton got you started. You go down two games to none against the Brooklyn Nets. And looking the way you did in Game 2, where at one point you were down by 50 points. Everybody left the Bucks dead in the water after that. Your defense helped you win. 
one of those games in a rock fight game here at Fiserv Forum in Game 4. You won Game 3, you knotted up the series. A very difficult loss in Game 5 where you played great. Kevin Durant had an incredible game, and Jeff Green had the game of his life. That was the difference. You win Game 6, and then in Game 7, one of the classic games, playoff games that we had seen in the last two decades between those two teams, Chris Middleton was the guy that hit the go-ahead basket in overtime. In the Eastern Conference Finals, final two games tonight, Giannis, Chris Middleton again was the guy with a 20-point third quarter, 40-point game in the NBA Finals as well. Chris was your guy in the half court during that playoff run in 2021. Two years after that, you didn't have a good half court offense. It gradually got worse and worse and worse. The uh, the half court offense in uh, last season's playoffs was 10th out of 16 teams. Not good enough. Doesn't matter how good your defense is, you need to score as well. You have to outscore your team. Good offense is going to eventually beat good defense. That's what this gamble was. That's why this trade was made to bring in Damian Lillard to give you that half court offense. And that's why I point out 10th best in half-court offensive rating in these games played since the coaching change. I think there's a lot that goes into that. It is added with a caveat of, look, we expect it to get even better when Chris Middleton is back. But I think along the lines of what we heard from Will and the message that was delivered to Damian Lillard by Shaquille O'Neal after the All-Star game, I think there's that, and I think there's some other things that we have gradually noticed from a couple of these players on the floor to help get Damian Lillard going. There's one other thing as well in terms of the X's and O's, and we saw it a couple of times tonight. Doc Rivers specifically mentioned it before the game. We'll share what that is as we take a look at this Bucks offense after this on Bucks Talk. The Hardwood homilies continue after this. This is Bucks Talk. Thank you for having me. This is Bucks Talk. Thirty-eight point win tonight by the Bucks over the Charlotte Hornets, and defense continues to be the story for the Bucks coming out of the All Star break. Fourth time in the last seven games, two of those coming after the All Star break, but fourth time in the last seven games that the Bucks have held an opponent below one hundred points. Again, the numbers to note: third best defense in the league since. That first game against the Cavaliers, Joe Prunty's first of three as the interim head coach of this team. From that point forward, the Bucks have the third-best defense in the league. In the game starting January 29th, when Doc Rivers took over, they're tied with the Cavs for the fifth-best defense in the league. Now, again, I understand the offense isn't where we anticipated it to be, and it, it, it's not where this offense was through the first 43 games. There's a lot that goes into that. Not having Chris Middleton is a huge part of that. The game's missed by Brooke Lopez and Damian Lillard on a tough, tough West Coast road trip. That's a part of that as well. The fact that, as Doc Rivers has pointed out a number of times, it takes some out of you to play the way we're playing defensively. I think that's what we've seen. He mentioned that a couple of times after those first few games. Is I think the guys need to work on that conditioning. It's not a knock on them, but look, we're playing defense hard. 
And I think that takes some out of you. But that's what we need to do in the playoffs. I do think it's carrying through to our offense. But we are creating that identity defensively. It's already been in there. Right, It's somewhere in there with this team. You knew it was there when you look back at the last five years and how this had been one of the elite defenses in the league. I understand no Drew Holiday is going to give you a step backward defensively. And it's not just Drew. I think we do have to point out in fairness. You lost Drew Holiday. You lost Javon Carter. You lost Wesley Matthews. These are all big pieces of what was a very good defense. In the case of Wesley Matthews, Andrew Holiday, for a couple of years, there were big pieces of this defense. It was going to have its ripple effects. But you got Giannis, you got Brooke Lopez, you got Chris Middleton, you got these guys that have played together, Jay Crowder, and bring that defensive ability. Now you add to it Pat Beverly. Pat Connaughton, another guy that has come up big throughout the season. And by the way, Pat Connaughton, as we mentioned a couple of times tonight, you know, I think it, it, we've all kind of slept on Pat's been better than we've given him credit for this season, especially since January 1st. Continues to shoot at a very high rate. He's just not taking a lot of threes. The volume of threes has dropped off from where it was the last couple of years. But again, you add Damian Lillard to the mix, your shot volume is going to change. We've seen the shift in the Bucks this year where their three-point attempts have really been volume shooters taking them. Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley accounting for most of those attempts. Pat Connaughton's peak in terms of his three-point volume that he would take per game was last year. The numbers have dropped off drastically in terms of his attempts per game, but last year it was really one big stretch for about a month when this team was again playing without Chris Middleton. During that stretch, five, six weeks basically, um, from mid-December until late January, Pat Connaughton averaged six and a half three-point attempts per game. And again, you needed scoring from Pat, especially when Chris Middleton wasn't on the floor. It was spread out between Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen. Drew Holiday was one of your high-volume three-point shooters a season ago. Now, he was very good, but you don't lump Drew Holiday into that category with guys like a Damian Lillard. The year prior to that, Pat Connaughton took another high-volume of threes, but... That was another year coming off of uh, your championship. The year the Bucks were defending their title, you had a lot of injuries that you were dealing with. And you saw year by year, 5.7 three-point attempts the year after the title. 5.3 a season ago, and again, that big stretch for about a month where it was 6.5 per game. Just under three three-point attempts so far this season. Uh, that would be the fewest Pat Connaughton has attempted on a per-game average since his second year in Milwaukee when he took two and a half in that nineteen twenty season. It's been the guys that you've put out there around him. You've asked different things of Pat. He has still been a good shooter. It's just not a high volume. He's shooting 39% on threes this year. And look, last year he was a 33% three-point shooter. He is much closer to where he was two years ago. He's just doing things differently. You've needed more defensively, and he has become more of a facilitator with the way he's creating shots for other guys. And I think you saw a few examples of that tonight. But I think the big part of this offense is you're learning, and I think that's part of why we've seen a bit of a step back. That's where a lot of the learning is coming from. I mentioned defensively, it, it, it appears the big thing is let's grab the low-hanging fruit and let's just stop doing the bad things. 
offensively is where you're layering in some new things. And the biggest thing is Damian Lillard. We heard Doc Rivers say a number of times before he took the job, when you think back to the Bill Simmons podcast and his frequent appearances there, you know, guys like Dame, it looks like he's trying to fit in. I don't need Damian Lillard to fit in. You know, if, if, if you bring Damian Lillard into the mix, you fit in around Dame. He's that type of guy. And I think that's what we've seen more and more of since Doc Rivers has taken over. He's talked about, I need to get Damian Lillard going. I want the ball in his hands more. I know Giannis can create. I know not, I know Giannis is a great passer and facilitator, but I want Damian Lillard as the guy that's bringing the ball up the floor more. In fast break, in transitions, Giannis is very good and deadly as the guy that is the playmaker in finding people or just deciding, you know what, I'm just going through the defense and getting to the basket. But I think he'll be even more deadly without the ball in his hands, with Damian Lillard bringing the ball down the floor and finding Giannis or having that threat of getting the ball to Giannis. Tonight, saw Damian Lillard start to get going early and more of those deep threes from Damian Lillard as well. That's going to be important to get him to find his comfort zone. And I thought the other interesting thing is Doc Rivers, again, talked with all of these guys individually and not only laid out the expectations one by one, went down the line and said, here's what I need from you. Here's what I need from you. Here's what I don't need from you. Here's what I need you to stop doing. But with Giannis and Damian Lillard specifically, he went to both of those guys and said, look, where do you want the ball? What do you want to do here? Where do you like to get the ball? And said the first few rounds of that conversation, you would get a lot of, I don't care, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do whatever you ask of me. And, and Doc said, no, I, I told him no. I mean, no. You know what you want. You know what's going to make you better. So how do we get you there? And from there, Damian Lillard said, okay, here's a couple of things I would look at. We, we spent a lot of time earlier in the season talking about Dame playing the entirety of the first and third quarter because that was something he did a lot in Portland and thought would get going. We've seen Doc Rivers scale that back a little bit. But the big things, and this is what Doc Rivers talked about before the game tonight, was you know Dame said when pressed of what do you want, how are you comfortable, where can we get you the ball, what are some things you're looking for in these sets. I want the screens higher. I feel like some of the screens that we're setting – It's a little too close to the basket for my taste. So I want Brooke Lopez pulled a little further out from the basket, set those screens higher, and I want them set to the right. When you're viewing the floor right to left, I want Brooke Lopez on my right side because I like going to my left, and if he comes out behind the three-point line, beyond the three-point line, sets that screen higher, maybe not so much the free-throw line and the nail, but sets a higher screen, I get to go to my left, which I'm much more comfortable with, and I, I... prefer to take my step back jumper from there and it also gives me more real estate to go downhill and attack the basket and I think that's an area where you're going to see Damian Lillard's free throw attempts start to skyrocket once again that's an area where they really took a step backward I think a lot of that was comfort and finding the spot in this offense but since Doc Rivers came in he has put an emphasis on not only fixing the defense but okay Dame and Giannis, and to a lesser extent, Chris Middleton. These guys, you are our best guys. You're our most important guys. How do we get you comfortable? How do we get you dominating? That's the number one point of emphasis for me. And slowly but surely, we've seen it much more rapidly defensively. Slowly but surely, you're starting to see that with Damian Lillard, especially on the offensive end. 855-616-1620. 
the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll take a look at this looming schedule for the Bucks. Again, very challenging. You don't want to look past opponents, but these next two games are going to be very important for the Bucks for reasons we'll get into after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. Bucks blow out the Hornets tonight at Fiserv Forum, 38-point win. They have won against the Hornets in three games on average by 35 points so far this season. I I promise you, it is a much better Charlotte Hornets team than what the Bucks saw certainly in the last matchup between these two teams. I think the way to view it, I'm, I'm not suggesting the Hornets are a playoff caliber team or even play-in tournament a type of team, but the way to view it is, you know, the Hornets right now, when you look at those five teams on the outside of the play-in tournament, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, then you have the Hornets, and then those two teams at the bottom, the Wizards and Pistons, who are both 9-49 and on the season, which, by the way, for where the Pistons were at one point this season... To be at 9-49, and 49, when at one point we were talking about, will this Pistons team set a record in futility and have the worst record in basketball? They were 2-29 and 29 before beating the Toronto Raptors on December 30th. Since that game, so starting with that win against the Raptors, uh, the Pistons have gone 6-20, and 20, which may not seem like much, but from where they are or where they were, that's pretty impressive. But this Hornets team is me is to me much closer to the Nets and the Raptors than they are the Wizards and the Pistons. And right now they're basically right in between those two groups of teams. I'm going to be curious to see what type of team we see on Thursday and how they respond to this. But that game Thursday and the game on Friday against the right now 27 and 31 Chicago Bulls those are two big games for the Bucks because of the schedule they have left. After this game, getting this Hornets game out of the way, the Bucks shot back up to number three in terms of the most difficult schedules left in the NBA this season. 23 games remain. You got two games against the Celtics, two games against the Thunder, two games against the Clippers, a game against the Suns, a game against the Pelicans, a game against the Knicks. The games you have against those lower-tier teams are starting to dry up. I mentioned before the All-Star break, you looked at the schedule, you saw you got three games left against four games. Against the Wizards, the Hornets, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Those are games you frankly have to circle and say, okay, with the schedule we have, we need to get those. And that's what makes Thursday and Friday important. You need to get those games. Given where we are in the season, given the way the Bucks played going into the All-Star break, you still have a chance to catch the Cavaliers for the two-seed. And I think going into the All-Star break, there's a lot of doom and gloom with those final two games, the way the Bucks look, the fact that you go into the break, the Cavs are four games up in the loss column. And again, you're probably not going to get the tiebreaker. You split the season series. In all likelihood, the Cavaliers are going to finish with a better divisional record than you. So these games against the Hornets, the Bulls this week, the one that you have against the Wizards a little bit later, the one you have against the Memphis Grizzlies a little bit later after that, those are very important games. 
when you look at the rest of the schedule, and especially, especially that schedule that starts next week for the Bucks. Now, the good news is we think Chris Middleton is going to be back sometime in the next three games, it really sounds like. Doc Rivers said before the game, I don't know. We don't have a timeline. I don't know if he's going to be on the road trip with us. But it's close. I know he feels good. I don't know what close means. I just know it's close. After the game tonight, Doc Rivers said, I don't know if he's going to go on the road trip. It sounded like it was leaning towards probably not and would just stay here in Milwaukee and continue his rehab. But he did have the caveat of if he does go on the road trip, it means he's going to play. It certainly seems like Monday against the Clippers is when it's it's feeling like we could see Chris Middleton make his return. But those games, Thursday and Friday, are important because starting next week, the Clippers come to Fiserv Forum. Then you go on the road for four. And those four road games are the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers again, and the Sixers. Or excuse me, the Kings. Then you come home against the Sixers. Joel Embiid is not going to be in that game. But again... It's a decent 76ers team. After that, you have the Phoenix Suns. Then you go to Boston. Now, you have a game against the Brooklyn Nets in Milwaukee and a game in Atlanta to wrap up the month of March. But sandwiched in between those, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Los Angeles Lakers, and in New Orleans against the Pelicans. That is why those games where you can look at it and say, we should win this game. You have to win those games, and that's what made tonight important. We'll wrap up the show and uh, take a look at some more numbers after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Brookfield, Greenfield, or downtown Milwaukee. The Round Ball Repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. 38-point win tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. A very, very tough stretch of schedule awaits the Bucks. Starting next week, again, a lot of the top teams in the Western Conference are what you have from here on out. Now, I mentioned you got a couple of games left against the Boston Celtics. One of those is in March. One of those is late in the season, fourth to last game of the season. And that's the thing worth noting is you look at the final five games the Bucks play this season, the New York Knicks, who at this point, you've started to add a lot of separation. The Celtics, that game is very likely going to be meaningless in the standings for the Boston Celtics by that point. And it may be the same for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, your second-to-last game of the season. So that's the caveat of the difficulty the Bucks have in terms of their schedule. But it just makes these games, Thursday and Friday, those winnable games, all the more important. Thursday night in Charlotte against the Hornets, 6 o'clock tip. 5.30 is when our pregame coverage begins. And as always, be sure to stick around after the game for Bucks Talk. We'll talk to you then.